Hello, everyone. This is Speaking Up with Andrew Pledger. I am a religion recovery coach who helps people with life after religion. And this podcast allows people to share their stories of abuse and religious trauma in various religions and cults. Some guests come on the show to discuss specific topics to educate and bring awareness. Discussions will range from purity culture, mental health, religious trauma, Christian culture, deconstruction, spirituality, and much more. Now, let's get into this episode of Speaking Up with Andrew Pledger. Hello, everyone. I am so excited today to have Cynthia Vaca Davis on the show. And she is a semi-salty adjunct English professor with a trunk full of papers and snack wrappers. And she holds an MFA in creative nonfiction, leads writing workshops, has written hundreds of feature stories, and has two independently published young adult novels. And she is the author of Intersection, a story of faith, identity, and authenticity from Lake Drive Books. And she is on the show to talk about her story and her book, Intersection. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, Andrew. I'm really excited to be here. Oh, of course. You're so welcome. I just, I love having conversations like this. And I, I really love having authors on the show to talk about their work and promote it and just hear their passion and so if we could first dig into what is the description or the overview of your book so it's really it's two stories in one Mm. how my story intersects with somebody else's Mm. story and then the story that kind of came out of that intersection of our lives Mm -hmm. and I at the time was a semi-salty adjunct professor I am, I'm actually not an adjunct right now, which is really weird because I built such an identity around being like this tenorate worker of academia with Uh. trunk full of snack, literally trunk full. I kept a wardrobe in my backseat of tumbleweed (laughs) um, of clothes and (laughs) snacks, but no, I actually have a legitimate office right now. Wow. uh, Okay. Nice. So I, I'm enjoying that, but no, I was at the time when my book, when the action started, the inciting incident, if you will, was traveling. I was in an MFA program and I was teaching at the university I'm at right now, Christopher Newport. And I was mm-hmm. also driving across the state border into North Carolina to teach a couple classes mm-hmm. uh, twice a week. So I was just running the circuit among these three universities, hoping that something would come of that. Know one of the the schools would notice me and offer me a real job, and lo and behold, I was at this Bible school that I was teaching at had an immediate need tenured English professor, and that's is the golden unicorn of jobs and academia getting tenure. This was just falling from the heavens. It was a tiny little school, and I was the only qualified person that was connected to the school. So they said, hey, we have this great opportunity. We want to promote you. It's just a formality at this point. And I'm like, how did this happen? And at the same time, 
I was going to church. I was still a regular church attendee. And I went to a church that was really pretty open-minded and welcomed questions. And I was thriving there. And a friend I made from that church, and this friend was saying, hey, I really, I've got something that I really need to talk to someone about. And I've been told that my husband was with me and they said, I've heard that you and your husband are safe people to talk to about the, my topic that I'm going to broach. I felt that our interactions that you guys were safe, but what my friend Danny told me that day was that up until that point, I had seen Danny as female and that's how mm. Danny presented as female. And Danny told me, he said, I don't think you have ever, I don't know if you've ever heard the word hermaphrodite. It's an archaic word and we don't really mm -hmm. use it anymore, but that would describe me. I have both male and female mm -hmm. characteristics. And up until this point in my life, I have, I presented what the world wanted to see, female. And for a long string of reasons, he could not do that anymore. And basically mm -hmm. said, I'm going from Danny with an I to Danny with a Y. In other words, he was going to live out the rest of his life as male, even though he mm -hmm. at this point did not even know if he, mm. he could, what was going to happen, if he was going to lose his family, if he was going to get kicked out of church. And the way those things intersected was I found out, a spoiler alert, that this formality only job that they had just adopted what they called a, a marriage and family statement. And everyone that worked there had to sign it. And it was basically that any sort of lifestyle, they were big on the word lifestyle or presentation, yeah. the whole, <laughs> the whole lifestyle, the wording was repugnant and mm. offensive to God and the uh, principles of the university. And yeah. they wanted me to sign it. And I had just told Danny, I'm going to be your support system. He was looking for people to be part of the ground floor of him rebuilding yeah. his life. And I'm thinking, how in the world could I take a job that requires me to sign this? So that's, that was the, it's our stories, how Danny came to that point, how I came to that point. And then both of us realizing that we had to live authentically from being a woman to being his authentic self as a man and me not just kind of being a chameleon in Christian spaces and giving lip mm. service to being an ally and not doing it in my behavior. Thank you for digging into that and explaining that. I'm sure it's so hard to be in a situation like that. And it it is hard because I attended Bob Jones University in the closet as gay for three and a half years. And I had to sign something that I agreed with their statement of faith or whatever to even get into the school. And it's so hard to do as you're doing it. And you're like, oh, I don't agree with this, but I don't have options now. And this was that's so hard. So did you end yeah. up actually signing that or leaving? I left and you left. Okay. I left and I went through Andrew. And that's interesting that you as a student even experienced that because mm -hmm. part of my thought process was, I wonder if there's any sort of way First of all, if there's any sort of way that I can talk my way into mm. still keeping my job and my views at the same time, but that was yeah. impossible. But then I was thinking, what would it be like to be like this undercover mm. secret agent and yes. 
but I knew there were gay students at the school. I knew there were mm. from yeah. both word of mouth and statistically, you don't yeah. have a college campus with no gay mm -hmm. students. It yeah. doesn't happen. So I thought about what would that be like to be this undercover role, but mm. it would require actually having to sign the piece of mm. paper and yeah. I couldn't do it. I just, you know, part of me, I spent some time thinking, is there a way around this? But it became clear that there truly wasn't going to be a way around it. Part of me though was like, I wanted to be there for students like you, those closeted students that mm. yeah. had nowhere to turn, but it wasn't gonna work. Yes. And so when did you actually start writing this book? So there was actually a version of the story that was in progress. Only mm. it was very much, it was in its infancy and it was more academic because mm. after Danny and I became good friends and decided, and this happened very quickly, like from the time when you tell, when you're authentic, mm, like yeah. Danny was, and you're sharing at that level, you become friends very quickly. And at the time I was working on my MFA and you have to write a thesis, which is basically a mm. book. And I had my first draft, my first idea of what to write about didn't actually come to be. I was hoping to write a book of humorous essays, but I had mm -hmm. a really grim and humorless professor. So then somehow Danny and I got into this conversation where he was like, oh, I'm completely fine if you want to write about intersex and you can interview me and whatnot. And so I'm thinking mm -hmm. at that level, I'm working on this for my thesis and a kind of an academic and not really knowing what would the parameters of this project be, but I knew I wanted mm -hmm. to learn more. And I knew that Danny's story, he wanted me to tell it because um, he said, not too many people know about this. So it was like in an academic version at this point. But then when, when I entered into <laughs> talks about the job, mm -hmm. this all came out in a job interview that I, I didn't believe the way they believed mm -hmm. because they didn't present me with that piece of paper till the very end. Oh, I see. And um, then basically everyone that was involved with the the university kind of became characters in the book as well. <laughs> so mm. then I started writing about what happened when I, when I was, when I really had to turn down my dream job, mm. always envisioned myself becoming an, a, a real mm. professor with a real job and a real yeah. office. And here mm. it's like, ah, oh, being given to me. And I yeah. have to walk away from it now. Oh, yeah. So that's when it became my story and not, and we had Danny's story, we had my story, and mm. then after that, we had our story together. When we're in conservative Christian spaces, or even yeah. not so conservative Christian mm -hmm. spaces sometimes, we have to fit a mold. Mm. It's scary to have opinions that mm. are too far from what's considered the norm, because then people think you've, you're, you've strayed, you're yeah. backsliding. And just to be able to really truly come into any situation as my honest true self it was freeing it was mm. absolutely freeing and then good better things started happening in my life when I learned to do that yes and so what is the background and journey of your faith and I'm just mm. curious what has that been like 
So I, parents were not Christians when I was born, but when I was mm -hmm. about eight years old, my dad, he had a mercurial career in secular radio. It was, mm -hmm. he was a newscaster, but he was getting jobs in bigger and bigger markets. So as a child, I'm moving around a lot as my dad would get better positions. And then he, he was in Cleveland in a really good market for radio. This is in the seventies and um, became really disillusioned with his career and started mm -hmm. thinking of existential issues around spirituality. He tried, he tried meditation and yoga and you know, getting into transcendental meditation. And he just wasn't necessarily finding the things that he was looking for. So at this point, he decides we're going to just move out to the country and we're going to do this mm -hmm. sort of throw thing as a family and live off our garden. And he was going to go in the family business with his father. And at that point, he heard Billy Graham, Billy Graham mm -hmm. televised crusade. And said, yeah. this is it. This is what I'm looking for, Christianity. And he started going to all kinds of churches. He was super open-minded. He didn't know what kind of church he was looking for. And I started going with him. It was something to do that was different on a Sunday morning. I started going mm -hmm. to church with him. It wasn't very long until I started seeing that each church was a little bit different and their own rules. <laughs> Eventually, my mom and my little sister started going with us, and we became really steeped in church culture. Mm -hmm. And I probably, it was like a kaleidoscope of Protestant denominations that I was mm. exposed to as a child because my dad didn't, he didn't know what he was doing. He just stumbled into this. Yeah. He didn't know one denomination from the next. So Interesting. he's exploring, but what it gave me as a child is this view of Christianity is pretty big and all of these churches claim to be serving the same God, but they're all, they all have mm. lines in the sand, different things that you don't do yeah. across this line. But then you go to another church and they don't care about that issue. They have some other issue that they've made yeah. a lot of sand over. <laughs> yes. And that was like something that I realized very young, that mm. the rules weren't uniform. They said it was the same God in every church, but the rules mm. changed from church to church. Yeah. I found that more curious than confusing because I think mm -hmm. it gave me this idea that I think God's a lot bigger than what I'm hearing. I, you hear mm. God is big, but yet he doesn't want you to dance in this mm. church and he doesn't want you to play cards <laughs> in that church <laughs> and, or speak in tongues. <laughs> That's interesting how you're exposed to those different denominations and it's quite, I'm just thinking of my own experience of like how I was in one my whole life. <laughs> it was told it was the only way. So I can only imagine oh. what it would have been like to have been exposed to that. And that, that is good. I think that's great to see those different beliefs and perspectives and approaches to that. As you grew older, what did that faith look like to you? What were your conclusions or beliefs? Yeah. Because that's ultimately what I had to do, right? Is I yeah. had to, I'm expo exposed to all this. And then I have to yeah. think, what do I believe as opposed to church, church of mm -hmm. the year that we went to? And because and you changed church. I don't want to make it sound like we were like crazy church hoppers, but we did move around quite a mm -hmm. bit. Um, that's, that was part of the thing that confused me as well is 
everything seems wonderful and it's a church family and everybody's happy and then something happens and like oh can't go back there <laughs> but that was my job then as a you know, I'm in my later teens and graduating from high school and going off to college and I got married really young my husband and I got married when we were 21 and we have to we're trying to figure it out I think I rebelled for a, a, quite a bit in my senior year of high school and like right before I met my husband I was a little bit of a, a rebel but after I got married I'm thinking I, I don't think that I want to be outside of Christianity it was like all I knew it felt dangerous to not be going mm. to church and to yeah. not be connected to a spiritual community so after we got married we tried several different churches and ended up finding a place where we felt was mm -hmm. home and um, and just settling in didn't necessarily agree with each other my husband and I and everything or didn't necessarily agree with the church that we ended up with everything mm -hmm. we found something like this feels right we're mm -hmm. just gonna camp out here for a while back to the book what is the core message of your book I think it boils down to authenticity and community. Those mm. are two huge themes in the book because that's what that's what Danny was looking for was the authenticity. Mm. He spent his whole life not being the version of himself mm. that he wanted to be. And then I always wanted to be like was my thing is because something I saw in church was I told you sometimes something would happen at church and you don't go back. And I three different lessons from my whole upbringing in church. Mm. The first one was that church communities have to agree. Like they mm. all rally around a kind of, whether it was the evils of music or the evils of speaking in tongues, you, everybody that goes to that church has to accept that platform and agree. And then if something happens, you could get ousted and mm. something might be treasured church family one day, mm. Sunday, and the next Sunday they're gone and nobody speaks of them anymore. They're, oh. just, they're out. <laughs> and the third lesson being that I didn't always agree with what I was seeing and hearing. It was kind of dangerous because if I am outside of, of what the prevailing thought is, the one that's going to be ousted from the community and so I think a lot of that was something that even like in an earlier version of myself sitting in that bible college and hearing hey you can have this great job but you're going to have to subscribe to our way of thinking about things there's mm -hmm. an earlier version of myself that probably would have done that because mm -hmm. I found community in this place and I loved my students and I loved what I was doing. And the thought of, oh, if I speak up, I'm mm. going to be out. That, that was terrifying. So yeah. a whole theme of this book is you've got to be true to yourself. Your insides and your outsides have to match, whether that's mm. physically or spiritually or emotionally. Mm. And that is actually the avenue to finding true community because yes. it's not true community if you have to stuff down parts of mm. yourself to fit in that's not true community 
No, not at all. Those relationships that you're making are very fragile Mm. because they're based on this idea of we all think the same about these issues Mm. and and that's what it takes to belong to this community. Yes, and so I can see now the risk that you took with publishing this book because I'm sure you were afraid of, oh, what if people label me a heretic or because I don't. So what has there been an overall good reaction to the book or have you gotten some backlash from Christians to from the book? That's an excellent question. And I'll say I have not yet received the backlash I was expecting. I spent eight years working on this book. And there was a person in the process who's actually in the book who told me to expect death threats. And oh, no. <laughs> okay. And wow. at the time when he told me that, I was more relieved because part another part of the, I think weirdly, any pushback I felt has been from a minority, a very small minority mm. of people from the LGBTQI plus community mm. because they might not understand why is somebody who's an ally telling a story? Oh, and, I see. Yeah. And so some people have felt a little, oh, what's happening with that? But for the most part, when I explained that I had skin in the game too, you know, as an ally, you know, I had to put myself mm-hmm. in line and lose something. I think people have been, that's, oh, okay. We understand. And, and also having Danny's come with me on some podcasts and yeah. we've, we've talked together and people realizing, oh, okay, Danny is like behind this. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's helped. But no, as far as any risk, I think uh, because I worked at it for so long, I think a good amount of people in my life knew what I was mm. working on and knew this was coming and knew yeah. that I had decided to just be public in my opinions. I think that's the point where I realized you turn this down, you gave this up and you're trading it for having your authentic voice. Mm. Now you have to use it. With being an ally and writing this book and really with everything that is happening in America, how do you keep hope? (laughs) I know like the Supreme (sighs) Court has just really rocked a lot of people's worlds and right now the ninth january 6 hearing just happened where just we're finding out how close we're losing to our losing our democracy so how do you keep <laughs> hope in times like these and christian nationalism is trying to overrule our country and it's it's not a form of christianity that represents all the christianity it's this extremist view is trying to this one specific interpretation extremist interpretation doesn't represent christianity as a whole but this how do you keep hope or how do you deal with that i know it's like a tough question it is a tough question but it's definitely one i've thought of and my answer might change from day to day Uh understandably (laughs) today i will say that Part of what gives me hope is being in the classroom with Gen Mm. Z. Okay. Oh, yes. (laughs) I I am just so fortunate to, I teach freshmen. I also teach journalism. And I love 
I love that I can bring a big topic like sexuality or any of really any of the things that you just listed there. I can bring yeah. that into my classroom and I see how these students approach it. And mm -hmm. I see it's so different mm -hmm. from people more from my generation. They're much more open-minded, much mm -hmm. more accepting. They much more reflect some of that social change that we've seen. Mm -hmm. Yes, there is pushback and there is a lot of reason to be concerned. Yeah. I have this philosophy that I've developed over the last few years. And it's not unique to me, but it's something I've adopted. And I mm. have a tattoo and it says, oh. yes, and. What that means to me is that two things can be true. The actual truth is in the tension of the push and the pull mm. of the, the two things. Yeah. You can happiness and sadness, joy and pain, mm. fear and, and peace even to some extent, can, they can coexist. And I've had to adopt that idea of any given day. Yes, maybe this one horrible thing is true, but mm. also oh, yeah. these other great things are true. Mm. Yes, society is really in the middle of a lot of turmoil, right? Mm. Yes, yeah. that. And also. <laughs> yes. And also. <laughs> Love that. And also. There's, there are young people that give me hope. There's mm. gratitude. There can be things that are concerning and upsetting, but then you go home and your spouse makes you dinner or the gorgeous day. And you mm. just, you have to take that too and say, there, mm. there are blessings amidst all of this other. It's funny you should mention that too, because my publisher had everybody that is in, that's a writer in our publishing company. He had us all write an essay called How I Find Hope in the 2020s. We were all given that writing <laughs> prompt. And it's, uh, it's like a free download if you sign up at my publisher's website. And um, everybody that wrote an essay kind of took a different approach to mm -hmm. that question of how do yeah. we find hope? Because it's a huge question, right? Yes. <laughs> how do you find hope? <laughs> I think really similar to your approach of how, yes, saying these bad things are going on, but trying not to hyper fixate on it. And that was something that I really had to do like a big adjustment back in like June when the Supreme Court was making it very clear that they were going to come also for other people's rights. So it was, like, it was very devastating. And I think it's a there's a time to experience those hard emotions to feel them I try not to fight them <laughs> immediately yeah. at least there's right. a time to understand have compassion but when you're ready to then try to find hope and like you said that gratitude in other things and so for me, it was similar to what you're saying in my mind I'm like okay if all of these rights are taken away Gen Z is going to eventually <laughs> come around <laughs> and fix all of this. So. We're putting off a lot of Gen Z. Yes, we are. We are. <laughs> it's funny because I'm a part of Gen Z, so I <laughs> feel that pressure. Lead the charge, Andrew. Lead the charge. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, I'm like, all these people, you know, of course, I think there are always going to be religious extremist mm -hmm. and like the ultra right, I think it will lessen 
as the years go on, honestly. Hopefully. Yes, <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> and like you were just really what you were saying about focus on that gratitude of what you have now and try not to take that for granted. And but I think too, a big part of even getting to that is just allowing yourself to feel those difficult and hard emotions and acknowledging them and recognizing this is a legitimate response to this situation and I need to process this, but I don't have to hold on or let this turn to something that's maladaptive yeah, in exactly. any way. Exactly. Exactly. It is it's part of that yes and yes, mm. I have to sit and feel this bad emotion. I have to acknowledge it. I have to look at it. But not it like you say, maladaptive maladaptive to just sit there with it mm. too long, yeah. maybe. Not recognize, oh wait, hey, the sun's out and yes. <laughs> it's a mm-hmm. great day and I can do something that will mm. bring a smile to my face or somebody else's face today. Yes, most definitely. And like Right now, I've been taking more, almost done with the in general psychology class, and I've been learning, and they've been teaching about how to regulate emotions and talk about maladaptive and adaptive emotions, and that really resilience is not just about getting through hard times. It's about growing through that process and adapting to those hard times and those hard emotions and different things. So I think that's a big part of dealing with these hard times which is a really i think what gen z is learning is emotional regulation or emotional intelligence in general (laughs) which is something (laughs) other generations have sadly lacked so much and i think a lot of gen z we've seen the consequences of people when they don't know how to deal with their emotions or grapple with them and then how there's all these people projecting emotions and issues onto other people and mm-hmm. things because they're not dealing with what's inside. So I think that's something that Gen Z is working <laughs> really hard. It's your superpower. Gen <laughs> X, our superpower is we just, we can get ignored and just keep on trucking. <laughs> oh. oh, no. <laughs> we had to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. Got you. Congrats on the publishing of it and all that you've done and sharing your story as we get close to the end of this interview is there anything else you would like to say in regards to your story or the book i think that learning to live authentically it is once you have gotten to the point where you are comfortable in your skin, you're comfortable Mm -hmm. in who you are, and then you learn to use your voice. Once you've experienced that, you realize that there's no other way to truly be, to feel alive and to feel connected because your people are going to connect with you if you're authentic. Mm -hmm. People who aren't your people are going to probably be repelled. It's Mm -hmm. okay, let them go. They're not your people. So I think that's why I have found that my community mm. has become stronger, just more life-giving out when I just adopt authenticity as like everything I say, it's got to be from my true place of this is what I believe, this is who I am. And I want that for everybody. I want people yeah. to realize you don't have to stuff aspects of yourself away in order to mm. be accepted. 
in order to be liked, in order to fit in. You can be yourself and you will find your people. And that is a path toward a pretty fulfilling life. Wow. So powerful. And like, I just can't help but relate to really what you're saying because a lot of people listen to this, they know my story, but long story short, I got expelled from Bob Jones University from telling my story of experiencing religious trauma and being in the closet. And because I didn't agree with things, the university, I was expelled for that. Just, it was my first time being authentic and like you're saying, repelling people. I repelled a lot of people. A lot. <laughs> but I was able to attract and find the right people that were yes find a better life and better community it was just oh so everything you were saying a hundred percent like thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your experiences thanks for having me of course and for people listening I want to link her book in the show notes so please go check it out buy it share it on social media go follow her on social media because I'll link those too but Thank you again so much, Cynthia, for coming on. I greatly enjoyed this conversation. I enjoyed it too. Thanks so much for having me. And anybody that's listening, I would love to have you as part of my community. I'm hoping Mm. to build community around this book. Uh, That's one of my biggest goals is just mm. to build a community of people who are committed toward authentic living. Yes, yes, most definitely. Thank you everyone for listening. And this was Speaking Up with Andrew Fletcher. Thank you for listening to Speaking Up with Andrew Pludger. Your support is much appreciated. Please leave a review and share with friends and family. And if you can, please support me on Patreon. And the link is in my description. Thank you so much for listening to Speaking Up with Andrew Pludger.